Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in God's church. I'm Andrew Cook and it's great that we can be together once more. In the series on Ephesians, we begin a look at chapter 4 of this New Testament letter. And Malcolm Ryan joins us with A Pastor Talks. At the moment, here on Serving Today, we're working through Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus. We're delighted to have Ray Tibbs helping us again. The first three chapters of Ephesians we've seen so far have contained important truths about believers and the church. So I began by asking Ray if it's fair to say that Paul now turns his attention to more practical issues. And this is how he replied. Yes, that's right. Those first three chapters do deal with some very important doctrines about God and man and the church. And now he shows how our understanding of those truths will determine the way in which we live. So... The first three verses of this chapter deal with living a life worthy of our calling. What must I do is the first question we ask from verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The term translated as live means to tread all around. The image of walking helps us to realise that living is an effort. It means putting aside many natural inclinations of ease. To walk, we must exercise all our faculties, not just our feet. Christian living involves more than one discipline. The biblical concept of walking is not recreational leisure activity. It is purposeful with a destination in view and persistence is required to reach that destination. What about this term worthy in verse 1 of chapter 4? Worthy means balanced or consistent with so that our life must be in keeping with our calling. We are called by God and to God, through the Son of God. We are his dwelling place, chapter 2, verse 22. We are part of his family, chapter 3, verse 15. As his sons, chapter 1, verse 5. Above all, we must therefore live a godly life. Our lives should match up to God's standard of living, which he himself has set and is accomplished and exemplified in his Son. Our calling is to be free from sin and in fellowship with God, both in the present and in the future. We are called by grace and must live by grace. And how should we do this? How do we live by grace? Well, the answer to that is found in verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So, we live with humility. 
we realise that we are entirely undeserving and have nothing to commend ourselves to God or man. A clear sense of our calling and of the work of God's grace in our lives will prompt this. It is the opposite of pride and is most clearly seen in Christ himself. While on earth, he did not parade his superiority. You can see that, for example, in Matthew 11, verse 29. And then we must live with gentleness. Gentleness is an expression of humility. Lowliness governs our dealings with others. It means being mild, non-aggressive, and not lording it over people. There's a quiet submission to the work and will of God, which, without weakness, does not insist upon its own rights. It is not self-assertive and does not want its own way all the time. So to live by grace means adopting the attitude of humility and gentleness. What else does verse 2 of Ephesians 4 exhort us to do? Well, then there is patience. This means not being irritable or resentful. If we're provoked to anger, we put it away from us. A patient person does not harbour grudges or become drawn into conflict. They do not spring to their own defence, but exercise self-control and be willing to take knocks. God is our example. See, for example, Psalm 86, verse 15. Which reads, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Then also there is forbearance. Bearing with others is an expression of patience. It means to hold oneself up. We're not shaken or broken by the conduct of others, but stay firm and erect, as seen in Acts 13 verse 18 and 1 Peter 2 verse 23. We allow for the failure of others. This demonstrates the loving disposition of the heart towards other people. That's a lovely yet challenging picture of living by grace. But why should we do it? What's the motivation? Well, we see this in verse 3 and following in this chapter. Which reads, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If the ultimate aim of such conduct is godliness, then the immediate aim is the preservation of unity amongst the people of God. It is a spiritual reality which already exists, but a conscious effort must be made to preserve it. The people of God are one because God has made it so. Chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. That oneness must be deliberately protected, and anything which might tend to destroy it should be avoided. It is hard work, and diligence must be given to embodying what is a key component 
of both the person and the work of God. And what's the main way of doing this? The main way is to keep Christ central in all things. There is no one more important than him. He is the mediator between God and man and between men. We will find more unity in the spirit as we give greater attention to Christ. It is the Spirit's task to point people to him, John 15 verse 26. We will find peace as we join the Spirit in his work, for it is Jesus Christ who has united us and will continue to do so. Ray, thank you very much indeed. Now, here on Serving Today, with a topic that's probably never far from many a believer's mind, here's Malcolm Ryan in A Pastor Talks. If you've ever asked the question, does God care about me, then you're in good company. Even someone as dedicated to God as Israel's King David had moments when he questioned God's care. I mean, there's this great big God, so big and mighty that he knows everything about everyone, can be everywhere at once, and can do anything he likes, yet at times he seems so absent. And in his frustration and loneliness, in Psalm 10, David asks, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Yes, God, why is that? And how long, Lord, as David continues in Psalm 13, will you forget me forever? So even if you do believe that there's a God, there are times when he just doesn't show up, or so it seems. Yet in reality, God isn't only there for you 24-7, he cares about you. How can you know that? Well, firstly, you can know he's concerned about you because his word, the Bible, says so. In 1 Peter 5 verse 7, the Apostle Peter invites you to cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And this invitation comes from a man who would die for the cause of Christ. He would die at the hands of those who wouldn't accept the fact that the Lord Jesus was God's Son who came into the world to save sinners like you and me. And to show how much God cares for each one of us, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Then, as theologian William Barclay pointed out, Jesus' coming is the final proof that God cares. Most certainly, the one true God showed his love and care for us by sending his Son to pay the penalty of our sins by shedding his precious blood and dying a cruel death on the cross. So here's the thing. If anyone repents of their sins and asks the Lord Jesus to be their Saviour, they'll discover something priceless. In Romans 5, the Apostle Paul tells us what that is. He writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about a fresh start, because when we place our faith in Christ, his blood cleanses us, and it's just as though we'd never sinned. That's how much God cares. 
Not only does the Bible say he cares, but also his actions. And as they say, actions speak even louder than words. In truth, God's power has no limits. His love knows no end. And as Jesus especially promises his followers, surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Then coming to realize God's power and presence, in Psalm 139, David wrote, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David knew God was watching over him, and this helped him get through the many challenges he faced. As for you, God knows your every move, your every thought, and what you're going through. In fact, long before you were born, he knew everything about you. And what you need to know is that there's an abundance of friendship, love, and joy to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, right through to the end of this life and forever in heaven. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan. And that's all we have time for here on Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye, and may God bless you. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.